Good morning, Life Church. How are you this morning? Did anybody have a decent Thanksgiving? Anybody eat enough? I did. Our dog did too. God bless our dog. You know, for a while we thought that our dog had found religion. You see, we Hitchcocks pray at the end of our meals, and after the eating and the joking around, I usually say, okay, let's pray. And when I say, okay, let's pray, our dog comes tap, tap, tapping to the dinner table because she wants to pray with us. Or so I thought. It turns out that Finney, our Boston Terrier, coming to the table did not mean she wanted to pray. It meant she wanted scraps. Turns out she had figured out when I say, okay, let's pray, it meant that's the end of the meal and she's about to get a plate on the floor. Godless dog. The truth is I like my dog. Does anybody here have a dog that you like? Anybody? And and the truth is I like my family. I like my wife and my kids and I have a great extended family. And honestly, I kind of like the holidays these days. I haven't always, but I kind of like the holidays these days. They're fun. I, I, I like the warmth and the gift giving. And I, I like it when we, when we decorate the tree and then, you know, turn off the lights and plug it in for the first time and we cuddle. It gives me a thrill. And Thanksgiving to Christmas here in America, we get that thrill. We're supposed to go for that thrill. It really is the holidays. I know we talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas, but really, in some sense, those are just bookends. It's this whole season, the holidays, or the Christmas season, as we sometimes say. We forget that it's Advent, which is what Christians have historically called it. We just call it the holidays here in America, and there's so many good things that come out about this because this is the celebration of family. I mean, that's what it is. It's a whole month, basically, of celebrating family. And during this month, we almost create a cult of family, and we do all these things related to the family. And when it works, it's wonderful. It is the happiest time of year. And when it doesn't work, it is miserable. Because it's a double-edged sword, right? Because the holidays are so associated with family, they're a perilous time. We have all these high expectations about what community should be like. And it's precisely when we celebrate the community of that most basic human organization, the family, we are most vulnerable to loneliness. Say that with me. Loneliness. Why are we lonely during the holidays? Because, well, sometimes we're unable to make it home for the holidays, right? Or sometimes others are unable to make it home for the holidays. Or sometimes somebody's in the hospital. Or somebody's died. And we feel these gaps in our family. We feel these gaps in our hearts. Or even if everybody's alive, maybe you just feel loneliness in your family that's there because you think of yourself as the black sheep or you're totally isolated politically or your personality doesn't mesh with the rest (laughs) or you're the only one in your family who hates playing Trivial Pursuit 80s version Yes, the answer is still Oliver North and Chia Pets. We've used this card before. But we keep on getting together for the holidays, don't we? Because the alternative is being alone. And the only thing worse than the loneliness of family is the loneliness all by ourselves. And I ask you, do you feel that way these days? 
even if you have a great family and you have a ridiculous dog whom you love, aren't you feeling that in 2020, this kind of nagging loneliness? Are you like me where you hear that voice in your head every once in a while that just says, you're alone? Well, if you are, I have some good news for you this morning out of God's word. John 14, as always, I invite you to follow along. I'll be working from the ESV, but any version is fine this morning. You know, we've been going through a series in John, and John 14 uh, is where we are right now, starting in verse 15. And we've noticed that Jesus has given this command to love as he wraps up his final things with his disciples. And he says, you guys need to love each other and take care of each other. And then he uh, shows them what that looks like through service. And then... As Kayla talked about last week, that Jesus says, I'm saying goodbye. I'm signing off here. I'm going back to the Father, but I have some comforting things to say to you. And we're in that sweep still where Jesus is comforting his disciples. And you might say that Jesus is responding to their loneliness. Jesus is hearing their nervousness about him going away, their fear of being isolated. And so you find things like this even before our passage in 1337, Simon Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Or Thomas says in chapter 14, verse 5, how can we know the way? Or Philip asks, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough. And you should hear in all of this a nervousness about being alone, about being unguided, about not having people around, not having Jesus there. They've been glued to Jesus for three years. How, How can they be disciples without the master right there? And how will we be able to deal with our loneliness? This sense of distance from God the sense of distance from all. Well, the word this morning is that God offers help for our loneliness. He offers help for our loneliness. Some other time we'll focus on the role of the church, the role that we have to each other. But this morning, we're going to focus on how God addresses our loneliness through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our solution. He is our cure. He is the one who fills in our loneliness. He is the very basis of community. He, the helper, is here to address our loneliness. And I think this is good timing as we hit the holiday season. We're going to talk about the helper this morning. And kids, I hope you're following along. If you have a journal at home or here in this room, I'd ask you to pay attention here because we're going to do three drawings together. And we're going to talk about three elements of the Holy Spirit from this very passage. But before I get to that, I want you to hear uh, verses 15 and 16 again. Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit. So Jesus then has been with his disciples. He has been helping them, but now he says, now I'm going away. I'm going back to heaven, going to to my father. 
And I've been a helper to you, but just because I leave doesn't mean you don't have a helper. You have another helper who is coming. Now, that's not a word we use a whole lot in English, helper, um, but there's a reason why the ESV translates it this way. The Greek word behind it is the word parakletos. And if you'll indulge me here for a moment, parakletos is, oh, you found the slide, good. Parakletos is a word in Greek that has no English equivalent. Uh, it, It literally means something like to be called alongside. If you kind of squint there, you can see para, meaning like parallel, alongside, and kletos, you can see call, to be called alongside, somebody who's called alongside. And a typical use of this word in the first century in the Roman Empire was a legal term, parakletos. If you got in trouble with the law, if you were in court, you might have a parakletos called alongside you. That is somebody who is kind of like mm, between a witness and a lawyer. Imagine somebody who's on your side, who assists you in that moment, and you know this. If any of you have ever been in court, I won't ask you to raise hands, but if you've ever been in court, you know it's important to have a helper. It's important to have a lawyer. And all those lawyer jokes go away, and you really need this person. But when you have that person, a paraclete, a parakletos, they advocate for you. They're an advocate for you. They're on your side, and you need somebody on your side, don't you? Or uh, you might say that they counsel you. They give you advice. They provide counsel. Therefore, they're a counselor. And sometimes that word parakletos is translated counselor. Some of you may have a different translation. You have counselor. And if you have somebody who's called alongside you in one of those high-stress moments where you really need to have somebody there and not be alone, then it's somebody who is a comforter. They comfort you. And so a traditional interpretation, translation of parakletos is comforter. But here in the ESV, there's another valid translation, which is helper. When you're in a serious situation like that, and and you are imperiled because you're alone, when somebody comes alongside you, they are there to help you. They're your helper. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. More important than the exact translation is understanding how the helper helps us. And here, kids, is where I want you to uh, draw a few pictures with me and maybe write down what each of these symbols mean. So the first one is a magnifying glass. All right. Can you draw that magnifying glass? And we're going to draw that symbol because it reminds us that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about God. That's how he helps us. He he reveals the truth about God. Notice in verse 17 of our passage, Jesus calls the Spirit the Spirit of... Anybody see what it says in verse 17? Spirit of truth. The Spirit is in charge of truth, of showing that truth, of telling that truth to others. Or look in verse 26. Jesus says, he, the helper, will teach you all things. He'll teach you all the things you need to know spiritually. Moreover, the second half of verse 26, he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
You'll remember all the things that Jesus taught you, all the spiritual truth, all these truths about God. You'll remember them. And, and this is an important concept, I think, for the inspiration of Scripture, because you ask, how could the disciples remember all the things that Jesus said? Well, they had the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised them that they would remember so we can trust their witness. But this is also a word for you and for me, where we can remember the things that Jesus taught us. We can remember spiritual truth that can be imparted to our mind because the Holy Spirit supernaturally reminds us of that. Because that's his job. He's supposed to reveal the truth about God, and he loves to do that. He loves to show you the Father and the Son. He loves to show you who God really is, to take away your ignorance, and to fill you with the light of the knowledge of God. So the Holy Spirit is like a magnifying glass. You can see things about God. Here's a second one. The helper brings peace. Okay, so kids, here's the second one. The helper brings peace. I think you can draw this symbol. Uh, this is a more recent symbol, by the way, and it, it predates the hippies, if you guys are curious about that. <laughs> uh, interesting history of this symbol. But we're drawing it because we re- want to remember that the Holy Spirit brings peace. Look at verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit here because Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm giving you, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so we hear from the Bible that the Spirit supernaturally takes away fear and anxiety. As Romans 14, 7, uh, Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is a matter of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I can testify to this, that there have been times in my life where I have been very anxious. I've been very nervous about this thing or that, and the Holy Spirit has intercepted me and given me peace. And I have a new peace. And I see it throughout church history, too, that the Holy Spirit is in the business of giving people peace. In, in the year 160, for example, there was a bishop named Polycarp. And Christians were being persecuted in parts of the Roman Empire at that time. And Polycarp had actually been apprehended. He's an old man. And the magistrate there says, I want you to renounce Christ, deny the church, say they're all atheists. And I want you just to to give up your faith here. Then we won't have to torture you and kill you. And Polycarp says, no. (laughs) No, I'll die for Christ. And the magistrate is puzzling because he seems very calm, this Polycarp. He says, no, you don't understand. Like, I don't want to have to torture and kill you. So just, you know, just say down with the atheists and it'll it'll be fine. And he says, I'm not going to renounce Christ. Jesus, you know, Jesus has been faithful to me all these years. Why should I deny him now? And he's very, very calm. And this unnerves the magistrate. And finally, the magistrate has him tied up in the arena to a stake. And he puts all sorts of wood and and things beneath Polycarp's feet. And and he has it lit. And he's going to be burned at the stake, one of the worst ways to die. And Polycarp is totally unfazed, totally peaceful. And, And the Christians who were there said that it was bizarre because Polycarp wouldn't burn. In fact, there was a smell of baked bread in the air 
And the magistrate is so frustrated because Polycarp's not dying. Apparently, he's not even suffering. He's totally at peace. And finally, he's like, soldier, go stab him. And so a soldier goes over there and stabs the bishop in the side, and blood gushes out and puts out the fire. And then, according to one manuscript, a dove flies out from his side. And I think, wow, isn't that a beautiful image of the Holy Spirit being the peace of Christians, even in the most terrifying of of situations? And I tell you, Christians, when you feel anxiety, call upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you peace. Pray, Holy Spirit, you've not given me a spirit of fear. I don't need to be afraid of anything because you are in control. So Holy Spirit, fill me with fresh peace so I can walk in confidence and power and joy in Jesus' name. And the Spirit will do this because Jesus promised that, that when the Spirit comes, that he'll give us peace. All right, so what was the first one? The Spirit reveals the truth about God, right? Second thing is that the Helper gives us peace. And the third one, here's a challenge, kids. (laughs) Can you draw this? The Holy Spirit connects us to the triune God. He connects us to God, who is three in one. And this symbol right here is not a symbol of the Trinity. It's the Bluetooth symbol. (laughs) And I know you old people don't know how that works, but your kids do. And so this is going to connect, right? Bluetooth. And this really is the most important thing we can learn about the Holy Spirit today, is that the Holy Spirit's job is to connect. He connects the Father and the Son. He connects us to the Father and the Son. He connects us to each other. He connects, he connects, he connects. The Holy Spirit is the connector. Capital C, connector. He loves to connect people. He loves to be the bond that, that, that uh, holds people together. Look in verse 20. Jesus says, You will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. When you obey my commandment to love each other, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will know that I am in my Father, connection, and you in me, connection, and I in you, connection. And folks, this is the most important message today because you know this loneliness has to do with that feeling of disconnection. When we're lonely, we don't feel like we're connected to anybody. We're not connected to God and we're not connected to each other. In some way, we're not even connected to ourselves. We are disconnected. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, there's connection because that's who he is. And he connects us in such a way that we have a home. It's a powerful word, isn't it? Home. Anyone who loves Jesus, Jesus promises, look at verse 23. We will come to him and make our home with him. Have you really internalized this promise? Jesus says, if you love me, we, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God forever and ever will come to you and make our home with you. And the Holy Spirit, the helper, is responsible for this. He's the one who makes our heart into a home for God. Our hearts are not natively a home for God. It's not well-kept and well-swept. It is not a home for God. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, then it becomes a home, not just for you, but for the triune God. And you may not feel a strong sense of home these holidays, but I hope you hear this, friends. You have a home with God. Another way of saying this is in verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. And Life Church takes this very seriously. Um, I admire so many of you because you have said, we don't believe in orphanhood. It bothers us when we see children who don't have proper family, when they don't have parents. And we don't think that's a thing in the kingdom of God. Orphans are not a thing in the kingdom of God. If you're part of the church, if you belong to Jesus, you are not an orphan. You have the Holy Spirit. Of course, you have the church, right? We take this very seriously. This is a family. You have a home here, but you are not alone because you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have God living in you, you are not an orphan. You are not without a parent. You have the Heavenly Father, and you are not without a brother. You have Jesus Christ as your brother. And you are not disconnected because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're connected. And the Spirit cries out with your spirit, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit does this for us again and again in Life Church. He does this again and again for his church. Not too long ago, we were in this very room, and we're worshiping, a small group of us. And, uh, and honestly, it was a pretty bad night of worship. We had tech problems, and things were going wrong, and I don't know what was happening. And then we just smelled this perfume. I smelled this perfume right in the middle of our set. I'm like, oh, what a funny perfume. It's beautiful. It smells really nice. And I looked over at Jack, and I'm like, why is Jack wearing perfume? And then I was like, is Alicia trying a new perfume? Like, and I was huh, weird. And then we got to the end of the night, and I think I made some mention of uh, like, well, yeah, kind of a rough night. But then Jeannie said, yeah, but did you smell the perfume? I said, yeah. And it turns out there was this perfume in this very room. And I asked, I'm like, are you wearing perfume? Jack, are you wearing perfume? <laughs> Who is wearing perfume here? And none of us were wearing any perfume or cologne or anything, and there was nobody else in the entire building. But perfume had come into this room. I, folks, I don't even know what that means. But I can tell you that in that moment, I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like God had abandoned us at all. No, God very much knew we were here, and he joined us. And the church around the world reports this too. Sometimes it's miracles and wonders externally. And sometimes there are things that happen inside of you. I think of Brother Yun over in China. And he reports how he was persecuted and he was imprisoned. 
and he was tortured and beaten. And, and when he goes and he speaks to people, he says that they often say, oh, it must have been so hard for you. But he says, no, what are you talking about? I was with Jesus and had overwhelming joy and peace in his intimate presence. In prison, especially in prison. Now, I don't claim to understand that exactly, but I can tell you the Holy Spirit does that sort of thing. And you know how the Holy Spirit is able to help with this? You know why he's so able to take away our loneliness? Well, first of all, it's because he's God. He's God Almighty, so of course he can do this. But there's a more specific reason. As we see in this passage, the more specific reason is because in his very being, his very person is to connect. There's no loneliness in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in his very person is against loneliness, is the antithesis of loneliness. Karl Barth says that. He says, in the Holy Spirit, as the Son is begotten from the Father in eternity, God already negates in himself all loneliness, self-containment, or self-isolation. Even in eternity, we see the same thing that we see here on earth. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son, comes back through the Son to the Father, and everyone is connected. In God's eternal substance, there is no loneliness. And so when you're caught up in this Holy Spirit, it is impossible to be lonely. You are caught up in the divine community of love. As we wrap this up, I know that some of you are feeling very lonely right now. I know because I've talked with some of you. This is a lonely season, and it's even lonelier in 2020. And some of you are very used to this loneliness. Maybe it's amplified right now, but you've been in this place for a while because you're the person who says, you know what, I'm just a, I'm a dork. I'm an outsider. Or maybe you're a business person and you, can't, you still can't explain what you do at work to anybody and you feel that loneliness. Or maybe you're an artist and God bless you creatives. I think you bear a special loneliness. God has even called you to a certain loneliness for the sake of bringing forth new creativity. But if you've come to that point of saying, you know what, I'm alone. That's just how it is. I'll always be alone. I'm destined to have to tough it out on my own. I would tell you this. It's not true. It's not true that you're alone because you are part of this church, for one. But more specifically today, if you're going to believe God's word, you need to believe that God the Holy Spirit is here to help you and to take away your loneliness. And you can claim that today and you can renounce the idea that you are somehow alone because there is only one person who's ever truly been alone on earth. And that is the man, the God-man, Jesus, the Christ. Jesus is the only lonely one. He is the only one who was fully hated by all his enemies. He was the only one who was fully abandoned by all his friends. 
And this Jesus, the lonely one, gave up his life. He's the only one who truly went down to his death, an awful death all by himself. He died alone. But he did this for a reason. He did this so that you would never be alone. And on the third day, Jesus was resurrected. He came back from the dead. And you know what he promised you? What even today he promises you? He says, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. You'll be with me forever. He promises friendship in the church. And he promises you the Holy Spirit. If you believe in this Jesus, he will take away your sins take away your loneliness, and he will give you his very own Holy Spirit. And then you will be able to share in this resurrection community, the people waiting for his return. Hear the good news this morning. Believe in this Jesus, and you will receive the helper, and you will never, ever be alone. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come to Life Church. We pray that you would come to this place and that you would take away our loneliness. Take away the loneliness in each person's heart. Fill up the gap that's there. God, in the spaces that are between us at this church, fill those in too. Spirit of truth, spirit of peace. Connect us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.